yeah, that's wow. You you really did your research because I mean, I usually like don't talk about my past. It's like nobody really knows that I used to be like a TikTok content creator. And then before that, I was. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast, Floor is Rising, with host Sabretooth, a professional NFT collector, and Kizu, a professional art critic. On this podcast, we talk deeply about the business of creating, collecting, and analyzing NFTs. So, if you are a creator or a collector of NFTs, jump in. The water is warm. Everyone, welcome to another episode of Floor Is Rising. With us today, special guest Jennifer Suto, aka Jen from the Blockchain. Jennifer, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, appreciate it. Yeah, Jenny from the Blockchain. Jennifer Suto. Nobody ever says my full name actually, so you kind of threw me off there. But yes, that okay. is my Twitter handle as well. I kind of wish I didn't put my last name out there, but it is what it is. I had created my Twitter account just really to stock Top Shot and their updates. Didn't realize I was going to be tweeting from it. So Jenny, tell us, uh, how did you get into NFTs? Got into NFTs, really my sister. I, I have to thank my twin sister, Steph, for getting me into NFTs. She got me, she introduced me to crypto um, in 2017 and she introduced me to NFTs 2020. My first NFTs I had were uh, CryptoKitties bought like a dozen. And then shortly after that, October, 2020, got into NBA Top Shot pretty early, knew it was going to be big, didn't think it was going to blow up so quickly. Uh, and then, and then I was kind of just like, oh, you know, I only really want to, you know, have be into dapper projects. Like I didn't know about the other like Ethereum projects. I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to like invest in other things. And then um, my friend, like one of the one like really big whale on, on top shot, uh, Kyla Wren, who, who is now like the founder of Ape Dow and everything. He, he was buying a bunch of bored apes. And I, I messaged him. And I was like, why are you buying all these bored apes? Like, what are you going to do with them? And he's like, um, I don't know, but I just know that, you know, getting into these, these projects, I think are a good way to build my ETH up. And I'm just like, okay, like maybe I should try to get into like flipping and, um, you know, minting things and selling them. Um, and this was, I don't know, maybe exactly a year ago, maybe a little less, maybe like April, 2020, I think apes came out in April, 2021. So yeah, must've been around then I decided, all right, I'll mint my first project. Thought I could make a quick, a quick flip in a day. Yeah. It took months for, for me to have, you know, actually two X on, on my initial investment. And then I was like, damn. Uh, well, this is kind of exciting, you know, and I actually flipped it. I was like really excited. And I just started getting into other, you know, just started the money that I would make from flipping. I'd put back in, you know, buying other projects. Yeah. Like, so one of the things um, I, was, I was super interested in is um, it's kind of your progression from sort of dipping your toes into NFTs and then sort of being like fully immersed kind of full-time because right now you're head of market for Evaluate Market. You're doing uh, your catch-up podcast. You, you host a ton of Twitter spaces. How did that happen? And how did, I guess, your thought process go from, okay, let me buy some top shot NFTs to like, let me just do all of this. How did that happen? Okay. So how did I get into doing content and stuff? Oh yeah. So then I was just super passionate about Top Shot. And in February, I decided, you know what, I'm going to start making videos because I, 
for the past couple of years, I had been content creator on, on, you know, a couple of different platforms, TikTok, Instagram, and I just enjoyed making content and I enjoyed documenting things. And so I just decided I was going to start making like weekly update videos on what's happening in Top Shot. And also, you know, maybe some videos that could stand the test of time, like, you know, tips for beginners and, you know, what does this mean? What does that mean? And, um, within a week I grew to like a thousand subscribers. Cause I was like, there were barely any uh, top shot content creators at the time. And, um, nobody showed their face. The, there were a couple crypto ed being like the, the main one and nobody had showed their face. And so it's like, all of a sudden this girl with purple hair, you know, making videos, like <laughs> obviously that, I guess that was interesting. So got a lot of subscribers, got a lot of attention from that. And then evaluate market saw my videos like a month in, and they reached out and, you know, they had started, I got hired in April. I believe they started like late February launching the site and, and building it out. And, and so I was the first hire on the team. Now we have like a team of nine people. And anyway, so yeah, things just happened really quickly. And then, you know, I was doing the whole YouTube thing for a bit. And then um, it was kind of a lot to juggle, you know, flipping NFTs, doing my YouTube channel, working full time, like at Evaluate. And, and I just became really overwhelmed. And so I stopped, I, would, I decided I was going to kind of retire the YouTube channel and then, you know, maybe occasionally post videos, but not really too much. Plus I wasn't really as passionate about Top Shot anymore because the market just kept going down. So it was like, I wasn't, you know, it wasn't really exactly exciting news happening every week. Right. So then, uh, yeah, I wasn't doing anything. And then I was like, damn, like this is kind of boring because I don't know, I guess I just really enjoy making content. So um, I had tweeted out that I kind of wanted to start like a podcast or something. I wanted to do something about NFTs in general, not just Top Shot. And that's when my co-host, uh, Michael Keane, he had messaged me and he was like, and I didn't even know. Him. And he was like, hey, like I'm, you know, super passionate about NFTs too. Like, I think we could, it'd be cool if we started a podcast together. And like, we met over Zoom and we just like, hit it off. And yeah, the rest is history. We, I, I think we just uploaded our, Ooh, you know what? I don't even know. We're past 30 though. I think 30 episodes. So like, yeah, it's been fun. It's been a fun, fun journey. And we've had like cool cats on and, you know, a bunch of other projects, uh, psychedelics anonymous. And it's been, it's been really fun. Um, you know, talking to people in the space and, and just, you know, I'm super passionate talking about NFTs. So <laughs> yeah, that's, I guess that's the story on, you know, how I got into content creating with NFTs. I guess prior, because according to my research, um, <laughs> oh you've, been a, you've been a, a huge content creator, um, even prior to NFTs, for example, on, on TikTok, you've got around 700,000 uh, followers. I think you were doing a, a lot of kind of like makeup TikToks. Yeah. That was right before I got into Top Shot and started making Top Shot videos. I was like basically a full time. Um, I started out just doing it for fun. I was just making TikTok videos. And then um, basically uh, my friend was really good at understanding social media algorithms. And he was like, you know, if you actually want to grow your account, like I can I can tell you, you know, there's there's a lot that goes into it. You're basically kind of feeding the algorithm and teaching it how to um, you want the algorithm to push out your videos to the right audience. And anyway, he basically took us, me and my sister, she used to be TikTok uh, content creator too, took us under his wing and like, you know, really uh, helped us grow our accounts and, and be good content creators. And then from there, I was like, oh, maybe I can actually um, make money off of this. I was just like serving at the time. So I was like, well, maybe I can um, 
reach out to beauty brands and see if they'd want to like sponsor any videos. And so, yeah, I just started doing brand deals and one day I just got tired of it. Even before, I guess the TikTok, there's like a well-documented on the internet where you guys did a, a business on uh, vegan glitter, like from the, from yeah. the rave scene. And you guys did a ton of sort of podcasts and, and social media promoting, <laughs> promoting that. I want to hear your thoughts about like that, sort of doing that in the NFT space. And also like, how do you find sort of, you know, the NFT space content wise on Twitter? How do you find that as compared to, you know, your previous experiences in, I guess, the non sort of NFT content scene in, in Web2? So, yeah, that's, uh, wow. You, you really did your research because, I mean, I usually like don't talk about my past. It's like nobody really knows that I um, used to be like a TikTok content creator. And then before that I was and you kind of skipped a step before that. It was like I was my sister and I were like running the social media for this entrepreneur event that would go around to different cities in the U.S., yeah. And then we ended up speaking on stages and then that's how we got on a lot of podcasts. And then we also would talk about the glitter. And then before that, it was like the glitter, which we would market on, on uh, Instagram. And we realized, oh, it was pretty easy. Like we would go live every single day and everything. And I mean, it was all honestly, cause, uh, stemmed from Ty Lopez, who ironically just had a drop today, uh, an NFT launch. And a lot of people in the NFT space don't like him, but he really brought a lot of people into crypto. Um, he brought me into crypto in 2017. And my sister had taken his social media course and she got really inspired by that. And that's the reason why we started the whole glitter business. And, you know, it was just when I was uh, graduating college, got a bachelor's degree in psychology and didn't really know what I wanted to do and was kind of like really depressed about it. And then, yeah, just kind of fell into social media. So, and that's the thing with, yeah, with Web2, First of all, when you were like, is it easier? Is it harder? I think it's a lot easier to kind of grow as a content creator in this space because the content creation scene is not as saturated. Like when I started Top Shot, it was easy to start growing because there was, you know, barely any competition. Right. And it's like, I already have the skills. So, you know, pretty simple. And I mean, I've never really, I guess I've been on a lot of podcast shows, but I wouldn't really say I'm even the best at talking either. It's just that I, I feel like I just like to do things and I like to just try things out. And then if it's fun for me, I'll continue to do it, whether I'm super good at it or not, you know? And so, yeah, I just feel like it's, you know, there aren't that many NFT podcasts and, you know, it's like, well, why not, why not create one? And it's always like super rewarding feeling like you're actually like helping people and like, you know, people benefiting from your information. It's like that, that's like, that's what makes it all worth it for me. But I'm wondering if you feel like, you know, TikTok is somewhat limiting in terms of the yeah. kind of information that you can disseminate, or do you ever feel that it's somewhat, you know, it kind of pegs you in a certain way? So TikTok is short form content, right? And it's like this right now, obviously long form content, right? We're doing a whole hour TikTok, short form, you know, 15 second. you can do, I think now you can do up to three minutes, but it's like, you're really trying to capture people's attention quickly. And so it's, it's very much like, I mean, I remember I used to spend five hours on a 15 second video. It, it's very much like you're really just trying to, um, it's a lot of stimulation. It's a lot of like, you know, just doing a lot, doing the most, of course, it's going to be the extremes, how I made this much money. Like it's just attention grabbing things, right? Like you're really just trying to grab people's attention quickly. And you don't necessarily, 
I mean, if you can educate qu- quickly as well, like I'm sure there's, there's people out there, but you know, the people that get that get the most attention are the ones that are very flashy that are like enticing. And it's like, it, it appeals to, to things that are like are desirable, like, you know, making a bunch of money and things like that. And a lot of people get into, you know, it's like, what if someone's going to fall into NFTs because it's technology? Like, I mean, you know, maybe, but for the most part, a lot of people are going to get in, into N- NFTs because, you know, they see a lot of people making a lot of money. And so it's like with TikTok, yeah, maybe it's not the best gateway, you know, because it's like it, maybe it's misleading people a bit and stuff, but it doesn't matter because it's still probably bringing in a solid amount of people. And then from there, hopefully they then fall into other, you know, find other long form pieces of content like podcasts, like this podcast, my podcast, whatever, you know, shows more, more things to educate themselves or even, you know, articles, blogs, whatever. And, and they educate themselves from there. But I think TikTok is really just mostly like an attention grabber. And then, and so, yeah, I mean, it could be done correctly. Um, I, I have seen some pretty cringe like TikTok videos about NFTs, like on, on Twitter, you know, I don't really go on TikTok anymore, but I see on Twitter, people making fun of people, you know, on, on, on TikTok, you know, making cringy NFT videos. And I get it. One of the things I, I, I've noticed personally and, and wanted to get your opinion on is um, there are some, I mean, you talked in detail about your sort of Top Shots journey where you're basically like a true believer kind of before it blew yeah. up. <laughs> and I find like, you know, a lot of people, you know, have that kind of moment where sort of they believe in something and then it kind of, it kind of works in their favor. Um, and then that, that's kind of what pulled them into the space, right? Because I'm sure if you believe in Top Shot and, and it went from, you know, 10K down to 2K, you probably wouldn't be in this space, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I think uh, I would just hold on for longer. I'd just be, I'd just be like, well, whatever. I'm just going to hold on, you know? I mean, even right. now I haven't really taken that much out. So it's like, you know, right. just holding. Is there any NFT projects that you didn't get and you had to really you know, take a look twice, like, why is this thing going off? Like, why is, why is this <laughs> thing so popular? And you just didn't get it um, yep. <laughs> until you, until you really, really, you know, had to kind of maybe reorient how you looked at things in the NFT space. That was apes for me. I remember when those were minting, I, you know, obviously willingly chose not to mint my boss, Christian, the CEO of Evaluate. He had bought one for like, I think like, was it 0.2 ETH? I want to say. And I was like, sell that thing. Like I kept telling him to sell it. Like, you know, I probably told him to sell it so many times, like when it was, you know, two ETH value and it was five ETH value, like all the way up. He ended up selling it at, man, I think it was like 70 something ETH, but he held on for a very long time. But the apes, I, yeah, I, uh, <laughs> it's funny because some people still remember to this day, some people will remind me that I was wrong about the apes. Oh, remember when you tweeted that about the apes? And it's like, damn, like you really remembered that. Like, I didn't even really think about that. But yeah, people will dig dig up things from the past. Like, anyway, yeah. And, and, and you know, I've, I've made comments about apes before. I don't think they're the most attractive looking profile picture. I guess I just was confused about like, I didn't really like the art. Like, I just thought that they looked bad. And yeah, I mean, everyone has their own opinion, right? And and then I also, then after that, it was like, I didn't understand why they were so valuable and why they were going for so much. And so, yeah, that was a, yeah, that, that took uh, what, a bit. What, what was it that, you know, I mean, now looking back on it, you know, we have nearly a year. So what was it that you think that 
you missed about it? Like, I think it was the community that I remember early on the, a lot of the people that um, minted board apes were top shot people. And at the time top shot was crashing. And so people were looking for other places to put their money where it wouldn't decrease in value, you know? So a lot of my, my top shot friends had, had minted, Bored Apes. And, and like I told you, that guy, Kyler Ren, big top shot whale. He didn't even know what was going to happen with Bored Apes. He thought he was just going to end up flipping them. He ended up holding on to them, making whole DAO. But it was like, you know, he was just looking to make some money. And then I think people were having fun because, and, and by the way, one of the founders was like into top shot. And, and I think that's also why there was a lot of top shot people that, that, that got into that. And, and I think, you know, everyone, more people kind of knowing each other, like, oh, you're into top shot too. Like, them kind of forming like a community and, you know, kind of um, having something to be a bit excited about. Like, like when they did, when they first launched uh, Board Apes, they had this like thing on the website, you could go to the bathroom and there was this pixelated thing on the wall. I think it was on the wall or maybe it was on the toilet seat cover. I really don't know. Every 10 minutes, you could change the color of a pixel or something like that. And, And that was like the simplest thing. But people started putting their, you know, designs on there and their names. And like, I think people were just really having fun with it. And, and I guess I didn't think about that. I didn't think about the community and the fun and people just wanting to kind of be a part of something. And then I think people were just like, you know what, I want to hold on to this because, because no, you know what, this is cool. And I want to be a part of this. And, and then, you know, I know a lot of people that diamond handed um, apes that bought in super early on. So, and Pranksy, I mean, I don't know if you guys know the, the backstory of like apes and stuff, but it was like at the time, Pranksy, who was like super, I mean, now they have like two kids and I, I think like, and they just like had a baby and everything, or the wife had a baby and like, they're very like not active on Twitter, but they used to be like the person that you would wallet watch them and whatever they minted, you would mint too. Like, and, and so they started minting apes and for some reason they, and, and they're a huge whale, by the way, they're like, and they have like 22,000 top shot moments still. They bought out a lot of accounts as well. They, they're just, yeah, massive, massive internet money whale. But anyway, they ended up minting 1,200, 12% of the board ape supply. And, and that was a huge signal for a lot of people as well. Oh, shoot. Pranksy has it. Pranksy has a big bag. Like, you know, let me buy into this. So that was that was a big sign at the time for people to buy into projects. I have a theory that I want to run past you and see what you think about it. I, I think it's um the, the projects that you kind of diamond hand, because I, I think anyone can, you know, make a profit from flipping, hold something for a couple of weeks. Right. But for someone to sit, sort of get apes and hold it all the way up to 100 ETH, 80 ETH, that takes essentially a certain mentality. And I think for apes, that mentality comes from basically being in the, uh, in, in the hype beast community, right? I think if you look at all the uh, sort of super diamond hand holders who've, who've been holding it, you know, since inception, I think almost to a person, they are all people before they came into NFTs who were big into essentially hype beast fashion. So people who would line up outside of a Supreme store, and, and that's, you know, what Bored Apes um, essentially has become in this space, the supreme of the NFT space. And, and uh, all the, the trappings, you know, from that kind of, you know, essentially male fashion um, scene has kind of been brought into the NFT scene by Bored Apes. I think they were the, 
kind of the first project that kind of really tapped into that kind of psychology, that kind of um, community. Um, and, and now obviously there's tons of projects that have kind of followed. Um, I think Top Shot tapped into that, I guess I would call it like a web two social um, sort of, sort of uh, internet marketing kind of growth um, side. And, and that could be a reason that, that you kind of got it. Um, and then I would say that, I mean, the third one, which I don't know what your experience is, but which is kind of the generative art, art blocks. I think the people who really get that are sort of the more techie people who are, who are into the, the blockchain from a technical side. And, and a lot of the, the technical people got sort of the generative art and were able to kind of hold that all the way through. And, and my current thinking is that, yeah, basically what you, the experience that you bring with you into the NFT space basically informs what projects you get and will diamond hand and what projects you just don't get and will probably flip um, and sort of sell out of. Hmm. Yeah. You know, ironically, I got into Topshop because I was actually really into blockchain technology. Because like I said, I when I when I got into crypto, like I was kind of scared to put my money into it. So I basically spent like hundreds of hours just like learning because I didn't fully understand it. So I was like, okay, let me just try to like li- listen to podcasts. And I think that's one of the reasons why I started an NFT podcast too, because it was like, I learned about crypto from a podcast. And um, so anyway, just like, yeah, for Top Shot, it was like, well, I knew blockchain technology was the future, which now nobody says that. Like people don't say blockchain technology, but anyway, it was like blockchain is the future, right? And then these did, these are basically digital trading cards. A lot of people are into, into collecting sports cards. I had a sports card collection myself as well that I never sold. I just held on. Like I still have my sports card collection that I've had for years, probably even 10 plus years. Maybe just my habit to hold on to things. I don't know. But yeah, and I just thought of, oh, well, this is, you know, they're licensed with the NBA this is going to introduce the masses to the blockchain. Like this is going to be revolutionary for a lot of people. And I'm not even really into basketball, but you know, maybe I can take advantage of this opportunity. But yeah, I also think that a lot of people, there's like sentimental value behind holding on to certain things that they do. Like, and when you've been holding on for so long, then it just, it's so much harder to let go because the default is just to hold For example, well, my most valuable single NFT is my doodle, which I think the floor is like 12 ETH or something. I'm not really 100% sure because I don't usually check it, but I actually traded with the founder, Poopycat, back when it was worth one ETH. The floor was one ETH and I did a trade with him because we have mutual friends. And anyway, I was wanting to get into doodles, but I didn't have enough ETH to do it even though it was only one ETH, it's like, okay, well, I'm not rich. Like, it's just that I buy things early and I happen to hold on to them. But so, yeah, like then the, it's like, I don't ever want to sell my doodle because it has that sentimental value for me. And it's like, I traded with the founder, like that's special, even though it's like, okay, is it special enough to hold on to it? If it's worth like, you know, tens of thousands, or what if it's worth like a hundred thousand, like, will I still hold on? And I think if I don't like need the money, I probably would just because, why not? Like I live a humble life in real life. And I guess I don't really care too much about real life stuff as I do. Like, I I guess I just enjoy having, uh, owning things digitally. (laughs) And, um, I think it's like that for a lot of people as well. It's like their digital identity and the world is just moving more and more digital, right? Like people are having these digital identities. And, and that's another thing with NFTs. It's like, 
your NFT could represent your digital identity if you wanted it to. A lot of people embody their ape. They're like, I am my ape. My ape is me. And it's like their profile picture. They go by the, you know, they name their ape, everything like that. And it's so interesting because it's like, it kind of, you know, you're, it becomes your identity. And, and a lot of people value their digital identity over their in real life one because you can, you can make a bigger impact online. You can reach more people in line. How am I supposed to know 30 or in real life? How am I supposed to know 30,000 people? Like it's not that easy, but I can, I can, you know, 30,000 people follow me on Twitter. You know, that's pretty simple. And I mean, they clicked the follow button. They saw me. So yeah, I think that's interesting. And I think that, um, yeah, I just think that it's only going to get more and more popular to own things digitally simply because, People like to flex online. Like that's just more people can see what you have if you, if you're showing it online and if there's proof that you actually own something and, you know, it's like, I remember the whole entrepreneur phase when, you know, people pose in front of, in front of Lambos that they didn't even own. Like you could really pretend like you own things that you don't and, you know, post it on Instagram, whatever. But it's like with the blockchain, everything's permanent, transparent, you know, you can see if somebody owns something or not, and, and you can call people out if they don't. And I think that that's amazing. And I, and I love that. I love that you can see that as well. I mean, what, what do you, th- let's do a thought experiment, right? Cause um, I, I think it's interesting. You talk about sort of the, the digital identity and, and, and especially like doodles, right? Cause that's, that's been a, a, a project kind of on the rise. You know, a lot of people use kind of PFPs, as a way to digital flex, right? But a lot of the flex is because of the value of the PFP, right? <laughs> because, you know, people will flex a Lambo, but they're not going to like flex a Honda. <laughs> yeah. if, if the flex is the value of the PFP, um, what happens to, I guess, your, I guess, relationship to the, to the NFT or to the PFP, if the, if the PFP value goes down, as in how does that circle square essentially, or is it only the value of it? I think the value of your NFTs, I mean, if you're always looking at the price, it it is probably going to affect how you feel about it. Um, Yeah. If you're advocating for some NFT and nobody else is, is, is buying into it, you just have to have a lot of conviction or you end up kind of neglecting it a bit and you're like, well, whatever, like I'll still hold on, but you know, I'm not really going to, I'm not really as passionate about it anymore because I don't have other people to share that passion with. In my experience, the things that I buy with the intention to hold on to long-term for some reason, always end up being more valuable. And then the things that I buy to flip that never really works out for me. Like I'm not really a great flipper and it's just like patience. I think patience is huge, a huge thing. And a lot of people don't have you know, a lot of mental discipline. And, and even with Top Shot, it's like, I've been collecting packs since S1. And it's like, how many people have been collecting packs? Probably not that many. Um, and it takes a certain, certain level of like mental discipline and like just deciding something and then not going back on that decision. And I think a lot of people that hold on to things, you know, for a very long time, it's like they mentally decided that they're going to hold on no matter what. And so they're not constantly, you know, getting torn. People that start thinking about selling their NFTs, well, yeah, naturally, then they start looking at the price every single day. They're like, you know, they're constantly thinking about it. They're going to end up selling it. Who knows if it 
for more than they wanted or for less than they wanted. Yeah, it's definitely like a mind, a mind thing. Like mostly I think NFTs, it's just, but yeah, it's, it is a crazy time that we're in right now, for sure. I think a lot of people recognize that. I mean, our time is sort of coming to a close. So um, I'll, I'll hit you with the, with, the, with the final sort of question, Jenny, which is uh, who is your favorite artist? Ooh, oh man, I don't have my camera on and nobody can see. Um, <laughs> my favorite artist, so Kristen Lynn. I went to this art convention thing in LA. I don't know when this was, a couple of years ago. And I just really like this lady's art, but I never buy physical art. Like, I don't think I've ever even bought physical art before this. And because um, I was like, why would I spend my money on art? Um, and my walls are all plain and everything. <laughs> anyway, so then I ended up um, looking her up later on Instagram and noticed she had a website and everything. And I, I bought this really cool piece. Oh, wait, actually, no, I didn't buy it. She gave it to me. I forgot. <laughs> she sent it to me. Yeah, because I had emailed her. Anyway, she ended up sending me this really cool piece called April Moon. And it's basically like this, she like painted it, but this is like a print, eight of 50. And it's like the city, it's like a, a bird's eye view of like the city, but then like it's super like pigmented, like with orange and pink. And you can see like, you know, the, the clouds in the sky are all like pink and orange and beautiful. And it just looks so colorful and it just looks so like dreamy. And I just love it. Um, so yeah, Kristen Lynn, like her, her work is just, I don't know. It's just so nice. And uh, I just really enjoy looking at it. It's the background of all my YouTube videos, Jennifer top shot. <laughs> and, um, if I go live on Twitter or something like it, it'll be in the background. So <laughs> that's my favorite. Thank you, Jenny, for, uh, joining us on flows rising. Thank you so much for having me. This has been a great, uh, conversation and shout out to everybody listening to this episode. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Floor is Rising. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and follow. And give us a review on your favorite podcast app. Remember to also follow us on Twitter at Floor is Rising. You can reach out to us or send us a question. Just send us a DM at Floor is Rising. <laughs>